How's everyone doing? Happy Wednesday. It's time for Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. Casey Phillips here with senior writer and editor Scott Smith. And as always, this is where we take questions from you. So if you're not already watching on the Facebook page, you can head on over there and leave us a question in the comments section. I'm sure we're going to have plenty of questions today, considering we had an entire draft since our last one of these shows, plenty for us to be talking about. So um, I figured as we give people a chance to start submitting some of those questions, easiest way to do is to you up. What do, what do you think of our draft class? What are what are the things that stick out to you about it? And, and especially when we had talked so much about what we thought the Bucks would do, what their goals would be, what did it seem like their, their main focuses were in terms of the things they were after in that draft? Yeah, I mean, the story's been the same for weeks now that with all the guys the Bucks were able to bring back in free agency, they went into it with no glaring needs, which is really, really rare. I mean, the Bucks had a pretty good roster at this time a year ago, but still very much needed a, a right tackle, and everybody knew that. Uh, so this one, they could really go in any direction they wanted. That being said, I don't think you ever truly get away from needs in a draft. Uh, I'm not sure if the Buccaneers did you know fallowed needs or just managed to hit them while picking best player available. But if you look at some of the guys, like take the two inside linebackers that we took on the third day, KJ Britt and Grant Stewart, there was very little depth behind Levante David and Devin White. You had Kevin Minter and that was it. And usually you have about five of those guys and they help you a lot on special teams. And I think these guys will do that right away. Uh, even Joe Tryon, I mean, that's our first round pick. Sure, that was probably a best player available thing, but they're, they're, we needed more depth rotationally. And uh, Rob Hainsey, they want to develop a guy that can fill, fill in either inside or outside. Uh, I even think that they wanted to get a punt return option, which they did with the wide receiver. So um, I don't know. I think whether by design or not, we actually did hit some, say, middling needs on the depth chart. Okay. Uh, Todd had asked about um, what you thought their motivation was specifically about Kyle Trask in terms of who, you know, which quarterback they ended up drafting when they drafted a quarterback, just what we feel like his role could be moving forward with this team and, and what the Bucks thought of him. Well, I think the Bucks thought very highly of him because as expected, they didn't try to get on, get in on the first, uh, first round quarterbacks. And they really would have had to make a very dramatic trade to even do that. So I don't think the Bucs were ever targeting a first round back. And most quarterbacks that get taken, especially pretty high in the first round, they're expected to play pretty dang soon. And I don't think the Buccaneers were looking for a quarterback that you'd want to put on the field because they're committed to Tom Brady for at least the next two seasons. But on day two, there were three quarterbacks that were widely considered guys who would probably come off the board in the second and third round. And in addition to Cal Trask, it was Mond from Texas A&M and Davis Mills from Stanford. The Buccaneers took the first one of those three, and then the other two went very soon, like the next couple of picks after that. So I think they got the one they wanted. You know, if they were the third one in this run, then you wouldn't know, did they really want Davis Mills? But they ended up with Kyle Trask. So they got the guy they wanted. The, the deal with Kyle is that he had he had to wait a long time to get to play football. He, he was a backup at his high school to Derek King. Um, and, he, and then he had a long time in Florida to get a shot. And then when he did, he was fantastic. But you still don't have a huge body of evidence. But that was the case with a lot of quarterbacks this year. So uh, I think it's a guy that they really see a lot. They like a lot of his traits. They like him from the neck up, as they said before the draft. And, uh, but they have plenty of time to see if they can develop in, him into Tom Brady's successor. Okay, and then related to that, Richard had asked, is there room for Blaine Gabbert to come back now with all this that we know we have, you know, Tom Brady and Ryan Griffin, and now you've drafted Kyle Trask, do you see Blaine Gabbert coming back? Yeah, I would have guessed that anyway, but that was pretty much directly addressed by, um, I can't remember if it was Jason, I think it was Bruce, 
um, he's who said he they do want to bring Blaine Gabbert back if they can make that happen. Uh, so you know that he the team brain trust has already said that, so I don't have to guess at this one. And yeah, you usually take four quarterbacks to training camp. So if Blaine Gabbert were to return, I think what you'd end up with is a situation where obviously you're keeping Tom Brady and you almost certainly are keeping Kyle Trask. So then the other two, him and Ryan Griffin, Blaine and Ryan Griffin, are sort of battling to see who would be the veteran backup to Tom and probably the number two guy during the season. That's interesting. Um, Asher had asked, do you think that Ryan Suckup has the kicking position secured or do you think there will still be some competition for him coming this year? I don't think they're going to, I don't think they're going to try to bring in competition for him. I, I could see them bringing in a leg, um, a camp leg, you know, I guess it would strictly be competition, but probably that guy's not expected to beat him out. Helps you distribute the kicking a little bit more, but I, I know from inside the building that, bringing Ryan Suckerpack was a surprisingly high priority for this team. So um, I think he's got it pretty much secured. And how many of these draft picks do you see having the chance to, you know, earn a helmet on game day, you know, actually not only make the roster, but, but have a chance to be contributing on Sundays. Yeah. It's a little surprising to, to say this, but I think all seven of them could make the 53 man roster. Um, you know, obviously the day three guys are the ones that are the biggest question marks, but all have potential impact on special teams and were drafted with that in mind. So um, even if you don't see anything in training camp that makes you think they're going to start right away, if they are shining on special teams, they got a shot. And that also gives them a shot to be active on game days. So uh, I don't think it's likely that Kyle Trask would be. So maybe that's minus one there. And I think Robert Hainsey early in his career, he's probably – he could be active because now you usually keep up eight offensive linemen as opposed to when you usually kept up seven before, because that allows you to keep up 48 guys instead of 47 on game day, because otherwise <clears throat> with the starting five intact and Aaron Stinney and Giles would probably be your, your top reserves inside and outside. That doesn't really leave a spot. Robert Hainsey seemingly would have to beat one of those two guys out, but maybe he's active on game day. So you could have up to six of them, especially if Jalen Darden wins the punt return job. And then uh, Mitch had asked, which draft pick do you see having the most upside? Well, I mean, I'll do two answers here because the obvious one is the first round pick, um, but that's probably too simple of an answer. Uh, he's probably looking for something else. But um, Joe Tryon has, I think, a lot to develop in terms of his pass rush moves with, um, you know, working with JPP and, and, uh, and Shaq Barrett and Casey Rogers and Coach Lowe and everybody. Um, I, I think he's got a lot, you know, he's he made a big impact in college, largely with his power moves. So if he could develop a, a bigger tools toolkit of pass rush moves, and I think he has the capability to do so, then you could get a lot more out of him. But um, to give a more comp, to give a, a less obvious answer, I might go with Jalen Darden, um, just because it seems strange to pick a guy at a receiver at the receiver position when we have so many of them already were loaded there and it's hard to find targets but as John Spitek explained Jalen Darden is a different sort of receiver than we have right now you know you you got Scotty Miller but he's more of a straight line fast guy get down the field whereas Jalen Darden really is fantastic this is what John Spitek loves about him the most at getting the ball in hand and then making guys miss. He told me right after the draft, we drafted him that he could catch the ball near the sideline, have three defenders around him and somehow get away from him. And we don't have a guy exactly like that right now. And, um, you know, he could really develop into something special down the road, I think. I like that. Yeah, he's going to be fun to watch. Um, all right, our next question was, what type of rotation do you think the running backs will have with the addition of Giovanni Bernard? 
Yeah, that's a, it's a little early to know the answer to that one. I don't mean that as a cop out, but, um, you know, there's a lot of questions there because it was pretty clear for the majority of the season, for instance, that Ronald Jones was your number one back. And I think he got better results for most of the year than Leonard Fournette. But then after Leonard Fournette really came on at the end and in the playoffs, I'm even wondering how the distribution between those two. And then, you know, after those two, there weren't a lot of snaps left for anybody else. I mean, Keyshawn Vaughn every now and then got opportunities. And basically, LaShawn McCoy was hardly used after the first three or four weeks. So if they're going to get to Giovanni Bernard and particularly his pass catching, that's going to have to be distributed a little bit different. And I don't think we know the answer to that yet. I'd be surprised if the coaches know the answer to that yet. Okay, well, that's going to do it for us on this edition of Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. Thanks for all those amazing questions, as always. And we'll be back here next Wednesday morning again at 10 a.m. So be thinking of all those other draft questions we weren't able to get to this morning, and we'll see you then. (laughs) 